you gave the cutest little salute for the camera and I almost missed it because literally every week I forget what's the combination of buttons for a screenshot. Yes. I, what uh, is it? Is it shift command four? I couldn't tell you. I did it <laughs> two, two seconds ago. Uh, you are listening to the Full of Chit Chat podcast and I have with me uh, stand-up comedian, producer of the debaters, co- creator of the podcast as a form uh <laughs> mr graham clark hello oh man it's so great to see you and to hear your voice i've typically been killing the video uh, when we record these right but I, it's just so nice to see you that i hesitated to do so today no yeah this is great it's uh, great to see you as well and uh and i'm excited to be on the podcast I, 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 well, it's, and you, you had a very kind things to say about my white supremacist haircut. You didn't frame it as that. I don't want to give it the impression that you uh, gave your compliment in that valence, but um, uh, you like my wife. Um, I like your wife. Yes. <laughs> like my wife. And that's sort of what I brought you on here to talk about. This is really more of an intervention, a one man intervention um, about your Caraholism. <laughs> uh, she, uh, so Kara is the only other person. Well, I don't know if she's the only other person, but she is a very stated uh, like of this uh, COVID era um, shaved head. Uh, yeah, I like it, and it also puts you uh, one big step closer to you being Bobby Hill and Connie <laughs> Susan Usabon. Yes, <laughs> a step we did not need <laughs> remotely. <laughs> I, I, I look at stills of Connie and Bobby. I feel like maybe uh, cartoon porno has gone uh, down in popularity now because I can now Google image search for images of Connie and Bobby and not come up with grotesque. Um, yeah. Uh, because I used to, uh, it went back when I was on Facebook, I'd want to post photos of Connie and Bobby because they look so much like Kara and I that it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's never not funny to me. And I always it is like never to, not funny. Yeah. I always like to post a picture of them on our, like an anniversary or whatever. Um, but there was a time in internet history where you couldn't enter the names of two, like you couldn't do cartoons. cartoons and yeah. not have them doing it. Yeah. It's funny. I was like, felt kind of bad for people who that's their kink because it really yeah. is just limited to pictures like there's no next level like you can't meet a cartoon <laughs> and have a relationship your level of empathy is next level like uh <laughs> they, they're so kind of you to extend that level of um uh to i when i was working on beat bugs there was a one day where the producers came in and they were like oh man like they were tired because they had just spent all day like um and i forget if they brought someone in specially for this or whatever but they had trademarked every possible like porn iteration of the oh, wow. names associated with the so that they could sue for trademark infringement if wow. anyone tried to do like a like smutty like the sopornos or whatever like of uh yeah. Uh, beat so, off bugs beat off oh, where were you we needed you in that session that's what sunk netflix um 
<laughs> down to the number two media corporation in the world. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, but I just remember thinking like, what an amazing character that would be. Like that somebody should do like a movie about that guy or, or, or that gal uh, whose job it is to like go into places and like they're, like they've, out? they've just got this, this like talent for thinking of whatever the pervy take on something is like, yeah, yeah. You're like, well, here's where they'll go with that. Like, uh, yeah. Like when you hire a hacker to kind of make your <laughs> security better. Yeah. It's like a reformed bully who used to turn everybody's names into insults. Yes. Like, yes. well, there was Harry. I called him Harry balls. And there was this, and now he's going there. And then yeah. they graduate to like, they want to use those powers for good. And so now they like, keep uh the intellectual property of children's entertainers <laughs> safe from I, uh, when i first moved to vancouver a friend of mine got a job he was a lighting guy and he got a job on a porn set and through that he got connected to a job where he worked for the people who do the ratings for uh adult films oh yeah yeah oh yeah. man and uh i thought i was like you must just be disturbed and he's like that's nah, just like after a week, it's just a, it's a job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just, uh, of all the cartoons of my childhood, I think the, the number one for me that I, that most routinely comes up in, in like, just uh, is the, the like morning Sam, morning Bob or whatever yes. that, like yeah. the, uh, the, the sheepdog and the, uh, I mean, now that I've cited it as this like ur text of my life, I now can't remember any of the details. <laughs> it's a dog and a sheep, or it's a dragon and a prince. I don't know, <laughs> but it's like it's the two enemies, and I forget their names, Bob and Sam, or whatever it is. But like, so much of life feels that way now. Of right. like, yeah, total dispassionate, like not engaged. Punch in get at each other's throats or whatever get like, out. watch yeah. porn for your eight hour shift decide whether or not it's okay to yes yeah. the, this can the perverts can rent this or, or no this is i uh, just like i just be one of those jobs that would just be so impossible to then think about people in the same way afterwards yeah i think like you know, it's it's one of those industries where, uh, on the production side, there there always has to be those people, and they're not necessarily like the horniest people. They're just people <laughs> who have a higher threshold for, <laughs> you know. I uh, I love the idea of like just the line producer on a uh, <laughs> on a porn shoot who's just like, wait, this is wait. You, you, who approved this? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, do, I have told you, how many times have I told you? By the no-name Ritz. <laughs> Nobody notices the difference. <laughs> yeah, craft service table on a porn shoot. <laughs> I still have just no sense at all of what pays for porn. Now I don't know. Now I no. have, like authentically wouldn't know. I mean it's the thing like when video was the thing then i think that was the last hurrah but right. maybe maybe i don't know maybe there's people who buy it i don't know i guess there's ads they run ads now but it's they just ads, ads yeah. for more porn like where does it it's like just this ponzi scheme this horny ponzi scheme 
<laughs> oh man, we stepped right in smut, just we coming did. right out of we the. Uh, <laughs> but I, I remember you telling me that about a friend who, uh, like, people get it graduating from like film school, and mm. then it's like, congratulations, there are no jobs, but yeah. you graduated from film school. Good for yeah, you. So, <laughs> yeah, it like when I graduated, it, it was right as a strike was about to happen. Uh, like an industry-wide strike. Oh, wow. Yeah, because you went to Vancouver Film School, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And then when, like, I worked for about six months and in, in the industry, and then the strike happened and every production in North America shut down. So it was, nobody was working. Like, even the most senior, senior people couldn't get a job anywhere. So, wow. yeah, it was, so that's where my friend ended up in, you know, do lighting porn sets. <laughs> oh, man. I just, uh, I feel like the, the lighting guys in porn certainly have suffered from the uh, transition to cell yes. phone, <laughs> cell phone feed amateur fetish. Right. But they see it and they're like, oh man, this is like the, the people in Boogie Nights, like ah, it doesn't look as good as film. <laughs> yeah just the uh, oh man it's it's uh uh, this the loss of community yeah Um, exactly yeah it's it's uh uh you know speaking of which i mean uh so many different segues out of porn and into either more porn uh is always a possibility i i i Incidentally, I realized that I'm the one who took us into porn out of Bobby Hill and Connie Susanufa. That, right. um, uh, <laughs> but um, anyway, it was what I was trying to say was just that it is nice to be able to look for those images now and just find. Uh, so I don't know what happened if if that trend ebbed is what I'm saying. Right, like you don't see it as much. Maybe Google started filtering them or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, in, in terms of community, uh, what are you, what are you doing these days? Like, in, like, in, are you seeing anybody or are you, uh, uh I, bubbled I, up or? Yeah, I live, uh, with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. so we're, <laughs> I know, well, <laughs> we don't want to put labels on it, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, we're living together and I feel very fortunate for that because, yeah. Before I was living by myself, like quite South Vancouver. So I would have been uh, alone and isolated completely mm-hmm. because it, uh, you know, that's where I was living because it was cheap enough to live there. But luckily I live now kind of where there's a neighborhood and, uh, you know, that I can go to the grocery store just by walking and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess like that's uh, kind of during the summer was good. I put on those shows. You were on one of those shows. Yeah, yeah. And summer was good because you could meet people in a park and hang out and kind of have some kind of normal thing. But now that it's winter again, it just feels like, uh, you know, I have no idea what we're supposed to do. It's crazy because, I mean, I'm sure everybody has said this, uh, although I haven't had conversations with them, so it's new to me. But uh, like summer did not feel normal at all when it was summer. And yet in retrospect now feels like, Hey, remember when there was no COVID for a few months and everything was yeah. life back to totally normal, uh, yeah. which it wasn't, it wasn't remotely. But um, like you said, you did that, <clears throat> like you did those backyard shows and I was so grateful for, I like literally those, I did two shows in the summer and they were back to back, like two nights. Right. And I almost, 
um, and, and I, I was lucky that they were back to back because if, if not, I think I would have canceled on your show because uh, the first show I did back, I just tanked and I, uh, I had it in my head. I don't know why I, I, I just thought, you know, it's this, it's this vulnerable raw year. It's my first time back in seven, well, however many months at the time, it's close to half a year. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, I'm not going to do a set list. I'm not going to add any of that artifice. I'm just going to talk to the audience. Like, what the, like, why did I think that would work? <laughs> um, and, uh, and it just like, I left and I had this just brutal panic attack and I didn't have any of my pills with me and I was driving home and I literally, I was, I, I, I honestly, I shouldn't have been driving. Like it was, it was not, it was, uh, it was that bad. And I, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta call Graham. I gotta cancel this show. I can't do this again. I, and literally it was just the fact that it was less than a day that I was like, no, I can't, I'll just go, I'll do the show. And, and right. it'll be, and then, and then that show was quite, actually quite magical. It was quite a beautiful night. We all had a great yeah. time. And like, I was the same, like the, the first and second show out, I was so rusty that I kind of kept forgetting parts and, and kind of repeating myself. And, uh, but it's, yeah, you get rusty, but it's amazing how fast the rust falls off. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so it was just like two shows and I was like, okay, now I'm back. And, I, I know how to do this again, but now it's been, like you say, it's been such a time since I've done a live show that whenever I get back to it, I'm going to be so rusty again. It's going to take that time to get back up. It's also great to finally be able to Google rusty and not get uh, friendly giant porn. <laughs> Sorry. I saw you taking a sip of water and I was like, I don't want him to ruin his microphone. That's, that's like the ultimate like overconfidence in your joke. We're like, well, I don't, I don't want to cause a spit take here. Um, uh, yeah. It's, it's like, it is people are going to be rusty, but they're also, I just feel like when we get back, I mean, I said this with Ivan, uh, and actually I think I said it with Andrea too, like it's just like people are gonna, like one, people are gonna be so just thirsty for it. Two, I also feel like this is gonna, it's gonna be like an, an extinction event in terms of just like, it's, there will be no stand-up comedy hobbyists uh, when right. things start back on. Like it'll be, after 18 months, it's everyone who's on stage is going to be like, it's because they could not live without doing stand-up comedy. And yeah. they were like just dying to get back on stage. Do you feel that? Do you feel that sense of like, did you miss it? You know, what's so funny is that it, it has totally ebbed and flowed throughout the, throughout the pandemic. And so there have been, uh, I, I don't, I don't even know what I'll be feeling by the time next fall rolls around and we can, and we can finally do it. But there've been times where I thought, you know what, maybe I'm, maybe that's it. Like maybe I'm, um, maybe this is just the kind of natural, naturally occurring break that will be now, you know, the end of this, this part of my life. It was, you know, this past summer was 16 years for me since, you know, wow. I, my first time on stage at your show, um, and you know, I turned 40 in the summer. It was felt like kind of an, it could be a, like a natural break. Right. And then there were like just a, a few times that I, the few times that I did get to do shows where it just felt like this is so much home, um, that I just, 
I have to come back and do this. I have to, uh, the, 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 the Winnipeg Comedy Festival taping at the end of October, which I was so loath to do and so scared to do, like I was yeah, really desperately anxious, um, was so wonderful uh, that I just kind of left with this feeling of, of like, just, you know, whenever I can get back to this and it'll take a while, but when I do, it will be like, it'll be coming home. Like, yeah. this is where I'm meant to, this is where I'm meant to be. Not, not to, you know, I mean, that sounds like a highfalutin way of putting it, but there are just, no, there but- are times in your life where you know you're put in the, the right place. Yeah. And I, I think for sure, I, I needed a break from it. Mm-hmm. And so the first couple of months seemed like pretty fine to me. And then when it was a matter of, oh, you literally, you can't do it. Yeah. You can't just go do a set to just kind of uh, slake that thirst, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it just became more and more in my head of like, oh yeah, well, this is just going to not happen continually until whenever uh, things change. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've, after that couple of months where I was like, this is not bad. This feels okay. I uh, started like yourself. I, I felt, you know, thinking about it again and thinking, but it, that doesn't mean I haven't, I haven't written anything. No, no. Yeah. It's but that's tough, right? Because you don't know what to write because you don't know what other people are experiencing and you don't know what other, um, uh, and I wanted I want to talk about that, and and so let let's do that. But I I first want to ask you just to to your point of what you were saying because you were you're you know you're kind of the person I always pair you with as like your comedy partner is Dave Shumka, like yeah. your your co-host on Stop Podcasting Yourself. You guys have been producing this work together now for like. I mean, how long has it been that you have been, is it 12 years? Yeah, 12 years. Unbelievable. And um, uh, so for Dave, he very much is of the opinion that like, he's still doing comedy. He's got, he's got this podcast. He writes for, you know, this sounds serious. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's, He's got the other outlets. He never needed to uh do stand-up to be a comedian or to be a comedy writer right and so he's got that other outlet um so working with someone so closely for whom you know the itch gets scratched without doing stand-up mm-hmm. what what is it that's different in you like what what is it that's not getting scratched um that uh in this like no stand-up time um i think the big thing is uh like i've realized for quite some time that i write on stage so i come up with uh with the notion and uh and then i go on stage and try and see that because i need that pressure cooker feeling yeah so doing like a little show or an open mic or whatever i can do it if it doesn't work i could try it again another night but uh i feel without that i'm never i'm just not able to sit down and write a joke out, which I know a lot of people can do. Right. And, and they're, they get on stage and they want a certain reaction off a certain way that they've written a thing. And I end up just not kind of working that way. So without shows, I just haven't, haven't written anything. It's so funny that you say that because I, you just named it so perfectly because I can do that. I can do that for the debaters, right? Like I can sit down and write mm-hmm. a 
a thematic chunk of like, here is, um, or I can do it with a, like a, an essay, like write a funny piece or something like that. Yeah. But with stand-up, you can, you can con yourself into thinking that you're writing a bit with all the right pauses and with all the right uh, little like uh, uh, rhythms built in. Yeah. And then, you, and then you go and do it in front of a crowd and you realize that everything you've built into it is totally artificial. And uh, like I sat down and wrote this, um, this, this bit that just came to me uh, and I, I taped it into my phone with all the little hesitations and all the little, like all the rhythm. Yeah. And it was a six minute bit. And I was like, this is incredible. I've, I'm, I've got six new minutes to try the next time I can get up on stage. And then I got up on stage. I, I forget when it was at some point this year and just, and was having a fine set and then did this bit and got nothing like nothing came from it. Like not even right. a sense of like, yeah, there's something in there, but you haven't found it yet. It was like, what are you on about? Like this is, <laughs> there's, there's the stone cold silence. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought this thing had dropped out of the sky, fully formed, like let's get it on the album. Uh, it's it's ready to be uh, pressed into the grooves yeah. of eternity, and um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's so um, yeah. You put your finger just right on the nub of it. Yeah, and it's uh, that's kind of what I like about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, once you have a bit, you you like doing it over and over again to try and smooth the edges off of it, and uh, you know, make it into a lean bit but I need that time where it's just kind of rambly, uh, you know, stream, stream of consciousness a bit, but having the idea, okay, this thing is funny, this kernel, mm-hmm. and then working it out. But yeah, so that's what I miss, uh, that kind of thing, using that part of my brain. Yeah, and, and then also just that feeling of, um, that feeling of like charming an audience or like having that relationship with them when you uh, like, cause you, you've, uh, you've got such a um, um, magnetic uh, quality and it, it gets, it gets um, uh, like, I feel like people don't necessarily see it happening in the moment because your, uh, your style is of the kind of like, it's a fake unpolished polish like of of like that this is all just kind of totally off the cuff and we're all just sort of uh rumble tumble uh uh hey what do you think of this uh yeah just came up with this on the way here um and uh and of course it takes a great uh uh you know i'm I'm sure there's some like pithy coco chanel quote or something about like (laughs) It takes a lot of effort to look this uh, thrown together or <laughs> That's you know, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, this probably, I'm going to find out the, it's like an Adolf Hitler quote or something. <laughs> like that. Um, but um, I, I feel like I've broken through to a new level of uh, guilt that I feel guilty about a, attributing a made up quote in my head to the wrong person. Um, but like, uh, uh, you know, there's that, there's that relationship with, um, the crowd that is, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, quite a kind of loving, uh, I mean, so with some comics is very adversarial, but even that ad- yeah. adversarial quality is of a kind of loving, uh, yeah, it's, it's like quality. also needs an audience. Yeah. Adversarial. So, um, 
yeah, it's it's weird because I also like realized what type of shows I miss. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I miss like get like doing shows where I get paid. I feel like that, like, cause that's always in a, a club and it's always kind of younger people. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of drinking the Friday late show and all this kind of stuff. I, I like doing that, but not nearly as much as just the, the kind of cool room. Yeah. Uh, you know, 20 or 50 people kind of show. It's true. I, I like it. It's a, it's a strange thing when you realize like that, the the way that you like doing something is not the way that it, you get paid yeah for, yeah for doing it yeah um because that's so driven into us is of like the definition of success in life is like you do the thing you love uh, for money um yeah. yeah uh that that really is just uh, you know our one working definition of what it means to be living the good life yeah um and it's it, it's yeah it, it's because i'm the same way in the sense of like i i will work a club i have worked yeah. clubs for for money and for groceries like you know yeah. and not, they don't pay in groceries I mean, well some of the clubs the better clubs do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you done that whole foods gig uh <laughs> um it's uh uh, but but um you know there there are some comedians who like like contrarily like like a john Doerr, who you think of as like you know this kind of andy kaufman style like dadaist genius who you'd go like oh this guy should be performing in like art galleries and theaters and like just give him a like give him a tv crew and he'll, he'll go make something for like he, yeah, he, he he wants to be in the clubs. From what from what I can tell, like yeah, and I, like he's really good in them too. I mean, he yes. uh yeah, he's I don't know. Like you say, he could be playing theaters all over. I assume, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's something. There's just there's something about that smaller crowd. You yeah, know? if if it's because you know a lot of people who are going theaters, they consider a club a smaller crowd. Mm-hmm. So that's where they can you know people that show up after they've done a big gig in Vancouver, we'll stop at the local comedy club and just do a set and hang out. Yeah. And it's, it must be something to them that they would finish a set, big long set in a theater and then, you know, traipse across town to do a small set in front of the hundred people that are there, you know? Not me, man. Post COVID, I'm just all arenas. <laughs> just the on biggest... their off days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to the Zamboni drivers <laughs> and like various staff. Uh, you hear that Charlie's? The... He's working stadiums now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, he, I didn't say to what degree the stadiums were full. He's just he's he is in stadiums. Yeah, um, that's right. What's the biggest? Uh, room you've ever done um uh you know it would be here in vancouver or uh i'm just trying to think like montreal maybe um but here in vancouver i'd like the orpheum okay you know that's i don't know how many people that seats but a lot yeah yeah and uh that's where my high school graduation was oh yeah yeah that's i love that i love that there's like because that's the, me in Calgary is a place called the Jack Singer Concert Hall. And that's 
you know, that's what I guess concert halls do to make a little side money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is hosting crowds. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, I, I hope that's not my only time ever on stage at the Orpheum, but <laughs> as it stands, uh, it's like, uh, um, but yeah, the Orpheum is, I mean, yeah, there's no more, there's certainly no more beautiful theater in, in Vancouver. Oh no. Yeah. It's, uh, it's gorgeous. And it's, it's got like, you know, some history behind it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, um, you know, if you're going to go to the Orpheum, you paid a chunk of money for your tickets. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a cheap, you know, movie date or whatever. Yeah. So I find people are generally better behaved at those kind of shows, but you know that's only generally <laughs> yeah 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 um i when i opened for sarah silverman it was at the queen elizabeth theater oh, yeah. which seats three thousand or a little more than three thousand and that's wow. uh, like far and away the biggest theater i've ever done um like the closest to that after that would be like you know, like the Vogue, which we've done for debaters, I think. And um, yeah. I've done uh, like one I've opened for, for Mark Maron. It's, it, it's at the Vogue and that's, I think, between 1,000 and 1,500. And right. v- various theaters we've done for the debaters across the country. Like you get into that like 1,000 seat um, range. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so the, 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 the one time in the Queen Elizabeth Theater where I performed for probably like 15, 16 minutes um was probably twice again as big as anything I'd ever done before and and so you just you get out there and like the first the first little bit is like just trying to accustom yourself to the size of it like and, yeah. and how long a laugh takes and and what sort of pace and what kind of movement you have to so that whole thing of like you know when you talk to like somebody like you know, our friend Darcy Michael or, you know, opening for somebody like Russell Peters in a, in a stadium. Right. I just, like an arena that just doesn't even feel like, uh, I just can't even imagine myself in that. Like I remember reading the, in the Steve Martin memoir where he says the reason he was wearing the white suit was so people could see him. Yeah. Yeah. Which absolutely. is just insane. Yeah. And it's not like, I've never thought it was a good, forum for it no um, i watched uh aziz Ansari one that it was in madison square garden i think mm-hmm. he was and... fighting joe frazier i think <laughs> that's right <laughs> i found that very hard to watch yeah. seven seconds and uh just a, just a brutal beating <laughs> yes. but a he, terrible idea <laughs> he did crowd work in this giant giant stadium and it was i was like that's the wrong thing man that's not it's really funny in a club i mean you'll still get laughs from doing it but you're gonna have to repeat everything the person said so that the people in the back can hear them and it becomes this weird relay thing i don't know it just didn't work yeah from from my watching it maybe it was different live but i just uh i was like this doesn't seem like a thing you do in a giant giant arena I mean, I think there's some of those like um, Russell Peters specials too, where they have a like a camera on the front couple rows, so that, that like they're broadcasting on large screens within the stadium. Right. The person he's talking to, so that you know what ethnicity they are. 
Right. I mean, yes. if you're at a Russell Peters show, that's <laughs> essentially what's going on. Uh, uh, although I would like to be able, like, treat it like a bit of an Agatha Christie, uh, try and piece together what the ethnicity is from the joke. <laughs> from the jokes. <laughs> um, uh, like, uh, uh, or or like a Don Rickles. Um, I, re- I remember reading a thing of, like a Don Rickles thing where, like, for Don Rickles, he viewed that as. Um, like he was do- what he was doing was to combat prejudice like that he right. was uh which just goes to show like like everything is context yes um which is the thing that's so hard about today is that there is no there is no context right yeah everything every, is yeah. floating everything's floating and people uh you know they have things like tiktok which is you know, it could be 15 seconds and, yeah. uh, and that can, that can have millions of likes and, and uh, it, yeah, like it's, you're right. There's kind of a difference now, although there's, there was kind of, when I started, there were a lot of people, Sarah Silverman included that were doing kind of like uh, kind of some shock yes. value comedy. And so it was saying certain words and it was taking on certain taboo kind of things but maybe not maybe that wasn't the way to do it yeah maybe using that language and all that kind of stuff was maybe the easy out we did start at a very very different time in the culture like yeah because that that really was the um and i mean it was just after i mean not just but like you know relatively speaking it was just after 9-11 yeah and there was that whole thing of is irony dead or are we allowed to make jokes anymore like is that right. and i think there was that that response of like allowed to make jokes fuck you like what do you do? like um uh i uh, and 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 so then i uh, yeah i mean it, it is wild when you step i mean when i step back sometimes and think about the uh the the way things have changed in in the sort of like 15, 20 years um, oh, that, yeah. that cover the time that I started doing. Because uh, the other thing was like the, the cancellations were all coming from the right back then too. Right. It was like, yeah. it was, if, you got, if you got canceled, it was, you were the Dixie Chicks or you were the, like, like that was the big, um, uh, people, people were getting called out for not wearing American flag lapel pins and and right. uh and it's just it's so isn't it weird being old enough to get to like because we're both now i guess in young middle age yeah um and so you you get to a point in your life where you uh have seen things happen a couple of times yeah um yeah. and it's it's weird it is weird, and it's also, you know, it's like uh, I think it's in Twenty One Jump Street that uh, they go back to high school, and uh, he's like one strapping the backpack. He's yeah, like, this is how you do it, cool. And as soon as they got there, like they had to do the two straps because time <laughs> had changed. Yes, so quickly. 
<laughs> and also, we're old enough to have seen 21 Jump Street. That's right. Two different ways. Um, right. As both a feature film comedy and a made in Vancouver uh, crime drama uh, for television. Starring Johnny Depp, of all and people. Johnny Depp and Dom DeLuise's son. That's right. Peter, yeah, what a is combo. it Peter DeLuise? Mm-hmm. Very hunky Peter yeah. DeLuise. Kind of uh, his dad's face and profile on on a kind of buff uh frame if i'm and remembering yeah, correctly he had a different style of delivering uh lines than his dad his dad was very very broad yeah uh, and then his son was kind of more reserved and cool so yeah maybe he just saw his dad was like i'll never be like you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, he was still of Louise. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like I would describe him that way. But um, uh, that, that's... Very uh, good. <laughs> yeah. it took um, me a second, but I'm there now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, um, was there anybody else famous? Uh, is it Holly Robinson? Was she um, uh, the, from Hanging with Mr. Cooper? I think she was on oh, 21 Jump Street as well. Yeah, the yeah, really beautiful yeah. lady. Big, like... Uh, Eyes like uh, uh, like big boxing glove size eyes like yeah uh, yeah, yeah. I've um, never heard eyes described that way before but yes I, I, I was coming out of me and I was like well are you having a stroke at the moment or is this a, a simile uh, so uh, call in uh, the lines are open uh, is it a stroke or not stroke no this is this is the show stroke or stroke of genius yes uh where you weigh in on uh, the quality of my on the spot metaphors <laughs> um, and they had like there was like an old guy but see the thing about that show the reason it worked at the time was because every teenager on tv was played by a 45 year old by a, yeah by an adult and like had you know like pretty heavy beards and crow's feet and <laughs> oh my god well, first of all you said crow's feet and i realized that two seconds out but I, what i heard first was gross feet which is one probably also, also yep. true. <laughs> exactly comes with age also very consistent with the graham clark brand i think of you That's as the right. anti quentin tarantino yeah like, i, I... <laughs> I don't want to see him, man. Yeah, somewhere between you and Quentin Tarantino is a healthy human approach to feet. <laughs> That's right. Um, but he, uh, but that was the uh, every every time I look at like stuff from when we were kids or or before, and I don't know if it was a union thing or what, but the the quote unquote teenagers, yeah, with like receding hairlines. <laughs> Full Richard Nixon, uh, five o'clock shadow, and and the guys too. That's the that's the classic. That's the era in stand up just before the one we were talking about. It's weird, uh, like you say, that things repeat because I read an article maybe you know six months ago or a year ago that was like out with the old stand up, in with the new, in your face stand up. And uh, they've, I've seen that happen twice. I've seen that yeah. happen two cycles. When I was starting, that was like, see you later, brick wall. And, and you know, one, two drink minimum. It's, this is the new thing. And yeah. Like two cycles of that where it's like, 
oh, it's gone now is the brick wall. I'm like, geez, they really have stuck us on this brick wall notion. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Somebody's got like the last thing they checked. The last time they checked in on stand-up was like a Caroline's Comedy Hour on a and Yeah. They still think a and is running arts and entertainment. Uh, they don't realize it's all pawn shows. <laughs> Yeah, A A and A really fell from grace that way. <laughs> that was I mean that what I love is anytime a show holds on to uh, or anytime like something holds on to their branding just yeah. through through totally inexplicable like so that like you know, if you were like a 14-year-old kid now and you were like why is it called A and E? And they go, you know, it's arts and entertainment uh-huh. yeah like, or like you know tlc was the learning channel at one point yes and now it's like 90 day fiance <laughs> all day every day which i'm not complaining about but i <laughs> think that that was used to be like like an educational channel <laughs> the highbrow or the uh the comedy network was supposed to make canadian uh comedy <laughs> yeah and then just aired <laughs> reruns of the big bang theory <laughs> well where else are you gonna see it that's true. <laughs> um, good point. Good point. Yeah, no, it's it, it is um that that is my favorite uh, like uh, journalistic style is like anyone who like started paying attention to something seven seconds ago and so starts their story six seconds ago <laughs> and uh, yeah the uh, uh, all right yeah are you tired of. Uh, punchlines uh the or here's the here's the jokes where they put the punchlines at the end of the bit or uh whatever the uh i don't know there i think i really was having a stroke but you know um, like uh um there was a guy uh who did a special with no audience he's right. a guy from new york or la and uh it was the, the one of the worst things i've ever seen i don't know why <laughs> like it because the act wasn't made for no audience it was made for an audience so he kept going to punchlines and tags and pausing yeah. where the audience was laughing and i was like no but like this isn't like it has to be more of a monologue than yes just jokes that you've cobbled together um yeah it was hard to watch <laughs> so, i um you know i was just thinking about like i was on a walk with um with kara just before this we were um because uh, i felt like if i was going to talk about your obsession with her, that I should talk yes. to her about her yeah. obsession with you. Because, uh, you know, it's a two-way street. And it's only fair. <laughs> it's a two-way, 21-jump <laughs> street. And uh, I I had said to her, like, you know, it's an amazing thing. Because people are always getting fired for their tweets and doing these, like, which, which I think is crazy. Mm-hmm. But it, it also is hilarious to me that everyone was afraid of, Everyone's always saying to stand-up comedians, like, I don't know how you do what you do, man. That's terrifying to me. Getting up on stage and trying to tell jokes. And people were always afraid of, of public speaking. And it was everybody's worst nightmare was that they'd have to stand out in front of the whole school. And so, right. And yet people do the equivalent of that on Twitter all day, every day, forever and yes. always. Like, yeah. people are trying out jokes blind uh in a in a permanently recorded 
uh, all eyes on you, including those of your enemies, if you have them, <laughs> like, yeah, you will be subjected to the worst faith possible interpretation at all times. Yeah. Like, yeah. and so why do people feel okay? Like, comedy is hard. Mm. And people, why do people understand that when it's about, like, stepping up onto a little, like, stage in the corner of a room in a restaurant? But, like, mediate it through a, a screen and people will, ah, I can do that. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that they're so good at it. They make it look effortless. Mm-hmm. And so then people see that and they go, well, if, you know, if he can be up there so calm and together, maybe I can do that too. You know? Yeah. But it's also, <laughs> I remember when I kind of the first couple of years I started out, there was a comedian, you know, named Aubrey Tennant. Mm-hmm. Uh, very funny guy. And so he, funny. Had a, he had a joke where he's like, if you're like a mu- musician or a ballet dancer, uh, there's a certain kind of automatic reverence to f- the audience feels for you. <laughs> where in stand-up comedy, uh, the, a guy would just say, I should be able to punch him. <laughs> <laughs> Aubrey's <laughs> retirement from comedy was everyone's loss. Yes. But yeah, his. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I could stay on and talk to you uh, for hours. Um, yeah, me too. This is, a, this is so nice and such a treat. Uh, I miss you. I miss you uh, can't wait to see you in person again and have uh, uh, a very big hug. Yeah. And uh, until then, uh, take uh, very good care of yourself. And thank you very much uh, for doing this is there anything you'd like to plug to my tens of listeners uh no you know i'm just uh like uh i'm having a lot of fun on twitter so if you want to follow me on twitter it's at graham clark at graham clark yeah and any uh any shock value uh uh epithets you want to throw out here (laughs) (laughs) or or just break them all on twitter (laughs) yeah you go to my twitter account they haven't banned me somehow (laughs) but (laughs) that's where it's all happening Okay, well, thank you very much, man. I, it's so great to see you. And yeah. uh, uh, I'm just going to say it. I love you, pal. Back at you. And uh, please uh, pass on my love to Kara. No, that's what we've been talking about this whole goddamn time. I tried time. to sneak it in at the last minute. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> Bye. All right, take care. Bye. <laughs>